All right. Romans chapter 9, part 4. Amen. All right. Let's start in verse 19. Verse 19. Paul is writing to the Romans. He says, you will say to me then, why does he still find fault? And that is that, that, that God basically does what he wants to do. He does what he has determined to do. So Paul anticipates the question of those who are reading his letter and say, well, you're going to ask me, why does he still find fault? Why does God still find fault? And then he says, I, and I thought when I first read this many, many, many years ago, I thought Paul was going to give me the answer I was anticipating, but he didn't. And, I, and neither am I going to give you that one probably. So he says, for who has resisted his will? And that's the question that the logical mind would ask. But then Paul gives an, another question. He gives great examples in verse 20. When he says, but indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Who are you to reply against God? So what we're doing is we're learning how to grow properly, how to grow properly. Some of us who have had um, great life, you know, well-educated you think that that secular education should uh, take you forward or, or drive you forward, and it really doesn't. The best education, oh, it will help you temporarily in this life, but the best education you and I can have is a spiritual education. Uh, not just a spiritist or whatever, but a spiritual education. And this is what we want to do. So Paul is anticipating the question, um, you will say then to me, why does God still find fault for who has resisted his will? But indeed, O oh man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, why have you made me like this? And so he, uh, he says, does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? Who are you to contradict God in your reply? Who are you to answer by by contradicting him against him. And so the question that Paul was talking about, let me read it to you. Um, starting in Romans 9, 14, he says, what shall we say then? Starting in Romans 9, 14 uh, through 21, he says, what shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. For he says to Moses, this is what, what your, the hearer, the casual hearer will have a, a, a problems with. I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. So, so then, it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you and that my name may be declared in all the earth. Therefore, listen to that. Therefore, he has mercy on whom he wills, and whom he wills he hardens. Uh, or that, that is, he renders them obstinate, uh, stubborn. And so every stubborn person can say, I'm stubborn because God made me this way. You cannot. And because you have a, a, a choice, a decision. And Paul is bringing that out. So you can't say, well, this is the way God made me. No, God didn't make you like that. Sin made you that way. Amen. And so Paul is showing us. So it is not somebody who has a mind to do something. Okay, it was in my mind, therefore I did it. Or I resolved to do this. I've determined to do this. It's not like that. Or maybe even I like doing this. You know, God made me like this. I like it. And so you have, you have, the question arises, well, is there unrighteousness with God since he made Pharaoh to show his power? 
And so Paul tells us, absolutely not. That's ludicrous is what Paul is saying. And then he, he, he gives a, an analogy, an example uh, in verse 21. Does not the potter have power over the clay? And every reasonable person will say, absolutely. So if you make something, you make it the way you want it to be, and you are not unrighteous because you did it. That's what Paul is concluding. I, and, and one other thing, let me just sort of go ahead of you because I don't want you to, to dwell too much on, on that aspect uh, of life and not get the real import of it. What, what God, where God is, God is, I don't know, millions and billions and trillions of years in the past right now. He's in eternity past right now. He is in eternity present right now, right here. He's already in eternity future. So to, in order to understand somebody like that, you have to have that person's spirit in you. And then there are some things that you're just too small to grasp, but God hasn't done anything wrong. He hasn't done anything wrong. So you can't say, well, why do you make, because when God made Pharaoh, he was there when he made him. He was there present when he was stubborn little rascal. And then he was a mean older person. God was still right there. So it's like not like God made him this way and then runs down the, the, the road and, and then condemns him. So it's all in the eternal now. We, we really live in a sense in the eternal now. That, that's the best I can do. Yeah. That's, that's the best I can do. We live in the eternal now. You have a past, a present, and a future, but God has a present. The Bible says now faith is. You know? I mean, you know, yesterday. It says now. So, so your faith in God is in the eternal now. And that's the best I can do. Let's go to verse 22. What if God wanted to show his wrath and to make his power known? This is good. Endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. And so what God did was uh, God knows everything. God still did not let that stop him from creating. He created knowing that he is everlast from everlasting to everlasting God. So he knows that. And so he creates without fear. He lives in the eternal now. And so Paul says, will the thing formed say to him who formed it, why have you made me like this? No, you don't. When you and I create, we have that, that uh, God-like ability. We create something. We create the way we want to. You may create a hairdo, and it's your hairdo. Yeah, you know, you created it. That's yours. You know, your hair can't reply against you. I don't like the way you made me. You know, no, you're the creator. Is that correct? You're the creator, and uh, your hair is going to go wherever you go, whatever you create. Um, so he says, verse 23, he says, let me read 22 again. What if God wanted to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering? And I think the key here in this uh, verse is endured with much long suffering. 
the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy. I'm grateful to be a vessel of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory. So before time began, God prepared us for glory, even us whom he called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. And Paul continues to make the point that God called Gentiles. I think probably 99% of us in here are from Gentile stock, and God called us as well. And he did something that is just amazing to the mind. It, it will cause your intellect, to, your spiritual intellect especially, to just dance a jig. Amen. So let's look at how God, though, though he has done these things, um, and for us, in eternity past, it, it, God is, lives in the, ever, the eternal present, the ever present. And so past, future, they're all present with God. So let's look at Matthew 23, uh, 37. As we look at Matthew 23, 37 through 39, we're sort of, we can understand now in, in Jesus' humanity, he did not divorce himself of his God attributes, but he is living as a man and had created Jerusalem for glory. And listen what he says when he is riding into Jerusalem on that last week of his life. He's riding into Jerusalem. He's done everything that he needed to do. He has done everything uh, to bring them to himself. And they insisted on their own way. It's sort of like Christians that you may know. We're not going to call anybody's name. But you may know. They insist on their own way and sort of make God sort of agree with their positions. I've seen that in my lifetime. Maybe you've not seen that. You need to get out more. Look what he says in Matthew 23, 20, uh, 37. It gives us a context for those verses that I just read as Jesus laments, cries over Jerusalem. Now, Jesus is not pretending to be sad. He's really, really weeping over them because God has given them every reason to believe him. And that's what God does for every sinner. He even did that for Pharaoh, gave him all those reasons to believe him, but Pharaoh would not. He also, because he gave him, Pharaoh and others, the power of choice. Listen to what he says. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones, what? Kills the prophets, kills the preacher, kills the word. And stones those who are sent to her. You killed them. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. Not God was not willing. You were not willing. I gave you the opportunity. I gave you the faculty to be willing. But you were not willing. You were not willing. Mm. And then he says, see, take a look. Focus your attention. Your house is left to you desolate. Your house is left to you desolate. It had been God's house. But they so rejected him, quote, unquote, kicked him out of his house, so it was now their house. And you and I can have that same reality if we want that reality. God is coming to us. He wants to be a part of all that we're doing. He's showing us. He sends uh, prophets or preachers and teachers to us, and they tell us, yet yeah, this is what God is saying, and we have our own view, our own opinion, and we won't take it. You're like these guys. That is, now, now, if you're saved, then you're still kind of rejecting God in his directing your life. I do not say that you're going, you're, you're going to be lost or going to hell. I don't find that in the scripture. 
But I do say that you will miss reward and great blessings. You will live your life not like God intended. Now, these people went the other way. They kicked God out of his house. And he says, it's left you desolate. For I say to you that you shall see me no more. Oh, till you say, you will see. He's talking to Jerusalem. He's talking to the Jewish nation. You will see me no more till you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's what he says. So, so, so we are understanding now what Paul meant and how Paul came to this understanding that, that God being as, it, as a potter is uh, free to make a vessel the way he wants that vessel to be. But that vessel still has a choice even in the midst of that amazing um, logical, spiritual way that God is. Verse 25, Paul goes on to explain it again. He says, as, as he says also in Hosea, I will call them my people who were not my people. Hey, that's me. And her beloved who was not beloved. Hey, so you And it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people. There they shall be called sons of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This is a good God. Thank you. He did not leave us out. He did not leave us out. In Hosea chapter 2, verse 23, is what he says that. Uh, he says, then I will sow her for myself in the earth, and I will have mercy on her who had not obtained mercy, lo ruhama. Then I will say to those who were not my people, lo ami, you are my people. Uh, and they shall say, you are my God. Father, thank you, you are my God, Father. Thank you, you are my God. And so, so Paul is talking to the Jewish nation because the, the Jews were seeking God. They were seeking uh, his righteousness, but not according to knowledge. And many, and I don't say this, this is not an anti-Semitic statement, and nobody can accuse, well, they can accuse me of that, but they would not be telling the truth. But this is not an anti-Semitic statement, that, that even today, uh, the cry is going out, and, and, and Jewish people, many of them will say, no, I, I don't believe in that. I, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that. You don't believe in that? Hey, man, this was your God. You were his people. He brought you forth. You're the only people group on the whole planet that had covenant relationship with him. You're the only people group that had all these promises. And you go, nah. Que lastima. I mean, que triste también. How sad also. I like doing that. It says Isaiah also. Isaiah cries out. In verse 27, it says, Isaiah also cries out concerning Israel. See, these are the preachers. You know, a lot of times people don't listen to preachers. <laughs> Isn't that something? We still preach anyway. And we get happy. We shout. We get loud. We get soft. They still don't care. A lot of people don't care. But I'm glad you care. Amen. This is what the preacher says. Amen. So this is what the preacher said concerning Israel. Now, this is a sad epithet. He says, though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, the remnant will be saved. Small portion. Wow. I think that we owe, owe them the truth. I think we owe 
Israel, Israelis the truth, that we owe them the truth. Uh, I would say Jewish people, maybe I should say Jew, Jewish people, but I, I use Paul's definition that he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, but inwardly. And circumcision is not outward, but it is a matter of the heart. So a, a, a true Jewish person is one who is Jewish inwardly. Amen. Amen. And so he says the remnant will be saved. And verse 28, he says, for he, God, will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness because the Lord will make a short work upon the earth. And it, it, it's when you study in the end times, which I believe we're there. I really believe we are there. Wherever you go in the world, there's chaos, there's craziness everywhere in the world. I don't, I have to say those things. I know sometimes may, you may think, man, it's so redundant. Well, I, I, you know, good teaching, I think, you know, tells you things over and over and over until you really get them. Yes. You know, I love my, my story of this pastor called Roderick. I think Roderick, uh, Roderick, when his mom took him and taught him how to cross the street. I know y'all have heard this 50 times, but you needed one more. Uh, you, know, you know, she was teaching him how to go across the street and her only son, little boy, and she's taking him, hey, hey, uh, Roderick, this is, come to this corner and you look to your left, look to your right. If you don't see any cars, you cross the street. She did that until one day he was so fed up with a little boy. He, I know, I know. <laughs> he looked to the left, he looked to the right. And if I don't see any cars, I cross the street. I know, I know. She said, okay, well then. So she could trust him to go safely to school. Amen. And so when we do repetition, repetition, so that we can trust you, you've got the word of God, and you're not going to be swayed by the things of the world. Amen. And so God is going to cut this thing short in righteousness. And I was reading, uh, studying at the end time when Jesus comes again uh, and, and sets up the, his millennial kingdom on the earth. Only about a third of the Jewish people are going to believe. I think I read that. Yeah, a small portion. That saddens me. Now, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I can't do anything about that, that fixed third number. But, but if there are a whole lot more Jewish people, we can, we can have a, numerically a bigger group. Or even a third, but a bigger group. Because we have enjoyed their spiritual blessings. We are right now enjoying the spiritual But Can you imagine if you, or let's say you became very, very wealthy and uh, you built big houses, nice mansions and be beautiful streets and gardens everywhere and your own children didn't want to live there? It's all like, Really? And you go out and you adopt a bunch of kids, and they love it. They appreciate you, and, and, and more so than your natural kids. Amen. That's got to be a heartbreak. Amen. It's got to be a heartbreak. So let's pray for Jewish people. Let's pray for the, those who are of Israeli stock or the stock of Abraham. Let's do that. Amen? Amen. You mean that? Amen. Amen. Now let's look at verse 29. Isaiah, didn't, remember, these were preachers, by the way. These were preachers. And as Isaiah said before, unless the Lord of Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies, unless the Lord of Sabaoth had left us a seed, unless he had been merciful. So don't say he's unjust. If he had not been merciful, 
It was the mercies of God that, that we were not consumed. Even in our ignorance, those of us who are of a Gentile star, even in our ignorance, we've done some crazy stuff. I imagine if the truth were known, if God would just pull back the curtain, you say, oh, Lord Jesus, close it. Yeah. You know, and he says, unless uh, the Lord of Sabaoth, the Lord of armies, the Lord of hosts had left us a seed, we would have become like Sodom. And we would have been made like Gomorrah. We would have been totally destroyed because we deserved, as it were, by our actions to be destroyed. And there's nobody here can say, no, I've always been good. You haven't always been good. You may not have done some things that somebody sitting by you did, but you, were, you sure had the capacity. And were it not for the mercies of God, you, there go you. <laughs> That's, that's where you are. You're in the same boat. We can't look at each other and say, oh, you, you did? Oh, I would never. Yes, you would have. <laughs> you just didn't have opportunity. And thank you, God, for taking opportunities away. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Let's look at Lamentations. Lamentations, uh, chapter 3, verse 22. He says, through the Lord's mercies, we're not consumed. So this merciful God that people want to say, well, why do you judge me? Why did you say such and such? He says, no, it's through the mercies of God that we're not consumed. Why? Because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So the mercy that you got today when you woke up, in the morning when you woke up, the mercies you got were not the mercies you got the day before. They were new mercies. New mercies for every day. So God is good. God is good, and somebody says, all the time. Yeah. God is good all the time. God is good all the time. There's never a moment when God is not good. Just because God predestined doesn't mean that God is bad. It means God is good because he gives you mercy in your stubbornness. In your willfulness, he's still giving you mercy. When you're accusing people of what you've done yourself, God is merciful. Wow. 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 And some of us, we know how bad we are. I remember when Pastor Cisco was here, he was preaching. He was standing right over there. He studied, he turned around and looked at the congregation. And I was sitting on the front row. And I'm watching and listening to what preachers say, right? And I'm, he said, looked at all of us and said, you're more wicked than you think. And I thought, boy, you got some nerves. <laughs> Now, it was so powerful to me. I, I, I laughed and I chuckled still just because this is what the scriptures is showing us that left to ourselves, we're bad. But God so loved us. God so loved the world, Sister Stephanie said. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Who has love like that? Who has love like that? No one. No one. No one. You say, well, I do. It's only because God entered your heart. And, and, and I don't think I still have that. Let's look at this. And so let's look at verse 30. What shall we say then? What shall we say then? What shall we say to all these things? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness. What shall we say then? Even the righteousness of faith. Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness, found it. <laughs> How good are you? But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness. 
You see how beautiful this is? Do you see how wonderful God is toward those of us who had no idea of God, no concept of God? Weren't even looking for him and found him. But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Why? Because they did not seek it by faith. But as it were, by the works of the law. For they stumbled at the stumbling stone. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. When you and I have preconceived ideas, preconceived notions, you will stumble over the stumbling stone. As it is written, behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense. And whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. This is the thing. The Bible says, Abraham believed God. Abraham didn't work. He believed God in their own scriptures. They didn't believe their own scriptures. Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. Abraham wasn't saved by works. Their founder was not saved by works. And this is what they did. They rejected God because he didn't come like they had presupposed. He didn't come like they had presupposed. Now, the Bible says that whoever believes on him, that's you and me, and I'm closing this very moment, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Whoever believes on him will never be dishonored. They will never be disgraced. They will never be made ashamed. They won't be deceived. Everything that God has promised, you will receive. That's the scripture. That's the scripture. And Paul is teaching us. Now, this is what I'm going to ask each of you. Don't listen to the preaching of the gospel and then say yeah but yeah but there's so many of us churchgoers who are like that some of us are just churchgoers some of us are Christian but you don't come to a classroom public school or university and you're smarter than the teacher. You may not like the teacher, but that person's the teacher. And I've learned this in all of my years, and I'm coming, I'm, I'm just a, a smidgen away. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm already seven, six. I'm not ashamed of that. Say, oh, but you're old, that's wonderful. There are blessings in old age. And I've learned this, that when I'm smarter than my teachers, that's when I have problems and issues. That's when we flunk courses, when we're smarter than our teachers. God sent prophets and righteous men to his people, and they were smarter. 
They were so smart that they crucified their God, the one who made them, the one who created all things. You and I can be so smart that we follow the world's paths rather than God's paths. My job is to point that out so that you will not do that. That you will not say yes, but let us pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to bless this house, to bless everyone under the sound of my voice. Those who are watching online, I thank you for them. And I, I ask you, Lord God, to save somebody. Save somebody. Save them. Those who are online today. Continue to strengthen this VA that she might even lead somebody to the Lord today. And those of us who are here, I pray that we would not say, I got it, and we don't have it. I pray that we would yield ourselves to you and all the more as we see that day approaching. There's chaos everywhere, distress of nations. Nations don't know what to do. They don't know what to do anymore. But, but we, do. Yes, we do. The nations must turn to God. Must turn to God, but they don't. They turn to themselves and their solutions, which are no solutions. Help us to come out from among them and be separate, and you will receive us. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us and save somebody in this house, somebody in here today. In Jesus' name, amen.